This portion of the show is brought to you by Fresh Roof of Northern Arizona. Get more info at freshroofofnaz.com. This is the Jeff Orbit Show. All right, welcome everyone. Thanks for listening. Jeff Orvitz here. Happy to be here with you today. I've actually got a lot of Arizona updates. I've also got this jury that has found the National Association of Realtors is liable for inflating commissions and awards $1.78 billion, <laughs> with a capital B, billion dollars in damages. Uh, I want to break that down for you because there could be major changes coming. Of course, there'll be lots of appeals for quite a while, but could be major changes coming to the way, especially on the buy side and how people earn their commission. Plus, I've got an update on what's going on in Cottonwood with this recall of Mayor Tim Alinsky. I am excited to see a recall, and I'll tell you why in just a few minutes. I don't have any skin in the game in Cottonwood, but I get annoyed when politicians become little tyrants, and I think that's what Alinsky did during the COVID hysterics, and uh, the the bill is finally coming due on that one. We'll see what happens. I'll give you all the details. Uh, Do not call list in Arizona goes into effect. A bunch of bills went into effect Monday. I'll talk about House Bill 2498, do not call and do not text list meaning that you're going to get just as many calls and texts <laughs> annoying on your phone. But there is a way to opt into the system, maybe reduce a little bit. Talk about the minimum wage going up in the state of Arizona. Um, and also right-to-work law. Uh, Arizona, that's actually a constitutional uh, portion portion of the Arizona Constitution that allows Arizona to be a right-to-work state, with, along with, what, 26 other states. There's now a campaign to repeal that and to change the Arizona Constitution and to make Arizona um, a more union-friendly state. Get you the details on all that. Plus, how Toyota got it right. And I was talking about the EVs yesterday and the amount of money Ford and GM and other companies are losing in their little EV, their big EV venture. Toyota got it right, and the profit side of things are certainly showing it. But will Toyota capitulate and screw it up? I don't think so. I think the tide is turning on this EV craze. All right, love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Get your comments in. Oh, also, uh, I do have Olivia this hour. We're going to get her in early today, so that way we get to all of your comments that have piled up. So if you've put in a comment, there's a good chance that Olivia and I will get to it here uh, in just a few minutes. So stick around for that. Uh, Beginning of, where are we at? November 1st. It is the beginning of the month and our quick march to Thanksgiving and Christmas in the holiday season. And, you know, got through Halloween last night. We'll talk a a little bit about that. Olivia's got some number on candyflation. And I've got my economic kind of overview um, not economic overview, but <clears throat> my gauge on the economy uh, based on the candy that the kids gathered last night on Halloween. That's how we should gauge economics. What are people giving out? Is it pre-made or, or homemade popcorn and Tootsie Rolls or is it whole candy bars? I think that's the way we gauge what's going on in the economy or at least sentiment of people. And uh, Wait for that. I'll, I'll hit that with Olivia in just a few minutes. All right. If you're selling a home in the Flagstaff area right now, uh, if I was selling a home, I'd call Kelly Broadus. Uh, look, having a realtor when you're selling something who knows the market, who knows how to market your home, who has the passion to market your home is really important. And you can feel it with Kelly. 
when you talk with her, you can see it, you can feel her passion, uh, and she puts a lot into every home that she sells. Kelly brought us with the Broadest Properties Group, brokered by EXP. They're tops out there. Um, if she's not the top seller in, in, in the Flagstaff market, she's certainly dang close. I'm not sure where those numbers are at right now, but she's kicking butt because uh, word of mouth, reputation, she's done such a good job for so many people. Why don't you call Kelly Broadus, see what she can do for you when you're selling your home or if you're thinking about selling your home, 888-446-5602. That's Kelly Broadus at 888-446-5602 or go to northernarizonafinehomes.com. Okay, so let's start off with one here in northern Arizona in the city of Cottonwood. Uh, Cottonwood has certainly had its string of some controversies, uh, at least lately, um, and at least when it comes to this, remember this drag show that was geared towards and promoted towards youth, underage, you know, because, yeah, that's nine-year-olds should be at a drag show, right? I mean, we want to expose them to that. We want to expose eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, you know, 16, 17-year-olds to drag shows and what should be adult entertainment for those over the age of 18 to decide, hey, I, I want to do this, not for some little kid to be indoctrinated into somebody's weird fetish world. Uh, but Cottonwood, the city at least, not all the members of the council, but, but several, including Mayor Linsky, didn't really facilitate the hundreds of people that were showing up the, at the Cottonwood council meeting saying, hey, why in the world is the city renting space to this drag show and why aren't we putting in some new you know, rules, regulations, whatever you want to call them, ordinances that prohibits this kind of stuff on city property for those under the age of 18? Look, if you're an adult and you want to do this on, on especially private facilities, okay, um, it's not, you're not going to see me there, but hey, that's, that's your right as an adult. But when you start using city facilities, and that's exactly what Cottonwood did just the past couple months, and then bringing in this, you know, these, these drag show performers and then specifically marketing towards underage kids, a lot of people in Cottonwood had a heck of a problem with that. And groups showed up week after week after week and said, hey, let's get, get this on the agenda. Well, Mayor Tim Malinsky, you know, he, he just, he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't hear any of it. And this is a long string of things, I think, with this mayor that you got down there in Cottonwood, who was reelected here uh, the, at the last election. And nobody ran against him, so I don't know what the heck is going on in Cottonwood when you have this guy who has a pattern of, uh, uh, in my opinion, bad leadership. Uh, but now, you know, folks in Cottonwood have taken action. They've turned in, residents have turned in signatures to the city clerk. Uh, they needed to have 641 signatures, so I presume, I don't know what the exact count is, I presume that they turned in more than the 641 signatures, and the city clerk has 10 days to review. They, they usually take some samples of the signatures and verify that against the voter list, make sure that it's legitimate and that the, the, the folks are, um, uh, you know, able to vote in city that, that signed this, this petition. And then it gets turned over to Yav, Yavapai County for six, they have up to 60 days to check the signatures as well. Well, if all that happens and they have enough, because, you know, if, it, it, let's say 641 signatures that you need. You need at least, I would say, 30% more because there's a lot of um, bad people that don't even know they don't live in the city or whatever. So in my opinion, they needed to turn in probably <clears throat> over 800 signatures. So if they get through that whole process and it's legit, then Mayor Linsky will have five days from that point to either resign 
which would be good for the city of Cottonwood, or to run again and say, hey, I'm going to basically defend this. Now, keep in mind, he's up coming up here in, in the August 24th election. And I don't know if he's running for re-election or not. I don't follow Cottonwood politics you know, that closely. I wish I had all that time to, to follow all the cities and towns in our, in our state that, you know, that we cover. Um, but I, I don't think he was running again. So it'll be interesting to see if they trigger the recall. Does he resign within five days or does he defend that and then have to either run again for the August election or not run? Um, and and defend that for a short time, basically. Now, you remember, Mayor Tim Malinsky also was a little COVID tyrant. This guy was just, this was insanity when it came to COVID, what we saw uh, throughout, even here in Arizona, even in more conservative towns like Cottonwood. Remember, remember, this was like the height of, I don't remember the exact time of year this was, but I think it was, what, 2020, kind of when COVID first hit. And the mask debate was going on and you know, still people out there wearing these stupid masks. I was actually at a store in Cottonwood. Somebody was wearing a mask, but that happens in Flagstaff. That happens everywhere. And I was like, oh, no, please don't let that guy help me. Anyway, um, Tim Malinsky was one of those people that were sure that if you wear a mask, you're going to save grandma and, you know, you're not going to kill everybody in the world. Right. And the council, they were voting on a mask mandate for for Cottonwood. And the council said no. Uh, and the mayor, Mayor Linsky, turned around and, and he said something like, well, I didn't expect that to happen. Well, I'm passing it anyway through, um, you know, mayor, mayoral executive order or decree or whatever the heck these mayors are doing, the emergency orders, the emergency power that they had. And he instituted a mask mandate anyway after the council, the other duly elected people of, of, of Cottonwood stood up and said no. We don't want this. This is stupid. So the people spoke through those representatives, and the mayor thought, "Hey, I know better. I'm so smart. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna force a mask mandate, which was totally pointless, totally worthless." And what frustrates me is very few politicians have paid the price politically for their idiocy during COVID. And Alinsky was one of the COVID idiots. Um, so I'm glad to see that Alinsky has a recall. I hope they have the signatures, and I hope this guy goes away. And is no longer in politics because I'm sure he has dreams like every other politician, uh, you know, to move on up the ladder. I don't know if he's in. I, I, I haven't looked up the folks who are involved in the Arizona League of Cities, towns and cities that, you know, that 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 progressive organization that you all pay taxes for that your city uh, dumps money. in. it's like the U.N. of Arizona. Maybe I'll look it up on a break. I bet you Alinsky is involved. I would bet money that Alinsky is involved uh, heavily in the um Arizona UN. No, I mean, the Arizona League of Cities. Anyway, uh, good job to those folks who took action to get rid of this guy. I, I hope his political career is over, at least in Cottonwood, and we'll see if this recall happens. Your thoughts, especially if you live in Cottonwood, love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. That's talk with Jeff at iCloud. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got some, it's a smoke in the air today. iCloud.com. All right. Uh, it is Wing Wednesday at Sportsman's. Bar and Grill in Flagstaff, just north of downtown, right there in the Basha Shopping Center. Uh, I was talking to the owner of Sportsman's Bar and Grill just yesterday, and I said, "You're crazy. You're crazy with these wings. You're gonna you're gonna lose it. You're gonna lose it all because you're doing half price wings." Look, look, buy something else when you go there because this is awesome that they're offering this great. 
Uh, great price on wings. Wings are very expensive, and they have the best wings out there. Check it out, Sportsman's Bar and Grill. Get a drink, too. Head on in there for uh, for dinner. Uh, tomorrow, don't forget to head on in for sliders. Uh, Thursdays, every Thursday is uh, the, the mini sliders. They're awesome. Yeah, I think you get a couple of them uh, at a great price. Sportsman's Bar and Grill, best sports bar in Flagstaff. I'm sure they were sad last night with the Diamondbacks uh, getting absolutely trounced. I don't know what the final score was. When I last checked, it was 10 to nothing. I think it was... It was it was pretty bad spanking, so we'll see if they're able to bounce back. All right, hang tight. Back in a minute. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up the Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there, and on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. You're listening to the Jeff Orbit Show. Hey, if you're going to refinance your home, call Kim Dawson at Nova Home Loans. That's what Angela and I did last year. We actually refinanced a multifamily investment property because Nova Home Loans does that as well. In fact, Nova Home Loans is Arizona's largest privately owned mortgage lender. They can make local decisions like a bank, but because they're also a broker, Kim Dawson and Nova Home Loans have access to all the best programs. And why don't you move your offer to the front of the line with Kim Dawson's pre-approval letter. It's the next best thing to have in cash in hand. By the way, I mentioned the Jeff Horvitz show. Get two. $150 off the lender's fee at closing. Call Kim Dawson at 928-310-6458, 928-310-6458, or go to novahomeloans.com slash Kim Dawson. Kim Dawson, NMLS 697411, Nova Home Loans, NMLS 3087, BK number 090242, equal housing opportunity, subject to credit approval, terms and conditions may apply. Apparently on Monday, a bunch of bills went into effect because that was 90 days after the Arizona legislature, well, after the governor signed laws uh, or bills into law after the legislature was done. That The timing worked out to be Monday that a bunch of things kicked in. Uh, one of those bills was House Bill 2498. It's a... Do not text list. I think it also has a do not call option. There's some kind of federal thing, I thought, on the do not call side, which obviously people are ignoring in mass because I don't barely get any calls from anybody I ever want to talk to anymore, and it's been like that for quite a while. I get a ton of text messages from people I keep uh, connected with. Text messages actually become kind of my new social media because that's how I kind of keep in touch with close people. It's just this nonstop barrage of ding, 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 ding. So I, I guess that's okay. It's better than going on Facebook or something like that. But I'm also getting a lot of texts. Angela mentioned yesterday on the um, the hospital thing in Flagstaff that she got she was pretty pissed about how many texts the pro hospital group sent her. She's like, I, she counted them up. She's like, I got 13 texts from these people. And I, she didn't make her, her decision to vote against prop. What is that? Prop 480, the hospital bill in Flagstaff, I think is that. Uh, she didn't make her decision uh, solely on the amount of texts she got, but she was like, well, the, 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 the no side sent me like four. <laughs> And she's like, it, it definitely helped because she felt like they were getting desperate and, and really annoying and bothering her with all these texts. That's a note to any of you out there running for political office or anybody um, running an issue on the ballot coming up. You may not want to send like three texts a day to somebody because they may just vote against you or your issue because they're just really, really freaking annoyed. Um, so anyway, 
that's what I, I get. A, the phone calls that come in, it comes up spam, spam, spam. It's like all day long, all day long. Uh, so anyway, House Bill 2498 was passed. It was nearly unanimous by the Arizona legislature, signed by Governor Katie Hobbs, um, and it bans solicitors, unwanted texts, things like that, um, from, from continuing to text and harass you. And you can register with the federal government's do not call list. Um, here's the website, and it's supposed to all tie in. What it does is it, it gives you the ability to, I guess, rat these people out when they're texting you uh, and you're on this list or calling you, and it increases the fines, civil penalties of up to $1,000 per violation for offenders. So if you're on the list and you're just getting these calls for like, oh, fix your, uh, we'll come fix your, um, your car or something. We have the best service, and you're on that do not call us, and they do it seven times. Potentially, they could be fined $7,000. There's companies out there that have actually gone out of business that were uh, harassing people, right? Uh, so the federal, I guess you got to get on the federal do not call list, which is do not call. So do not call.gov, do not call.gov. And then there's ways to report and to, for example, the state attorney general to investigate violations and all that. Um, good luck, though, because the legitimate companies will, will cut this off. It's, it's all those coming in from overseas and who knows where. And the scam artists, I mean, there's billions of dollars in scams going on every year. And a lot of times, sickly, sadly, these are geared towards elderly and they're opening up their checkbook, you know, purse, or whatever. And they're giving money to, the, to these scam artists all the time. So at this point, nobody answers their phone. But it, maybe this is a way to help, um, to help uh, you know, ease this a little bit by, by going to do not call.gov, do not call.gov. Okay, another one here in Arizona um, that may affect our state coming up here in 2025. If they get enough signatures, a coalition has launched a repeal effort of in our state in Arizona we have a right we're a right to work state and i believe this was put into it's in the Arizona constitution so it's not even law it was put into the constitution the i think the legislature did it and i at the top of my head i think it was 1947 then they sent it out to the voters of Arizona Arizona voters approved that got it into the constitution and it's it it means that here in Arizona along with i think 25 or 26 other states that are right to work it is harder for people to unionize, so people look at it as more of a pro-business uh, friendly state, and it's, hard, it's harder for people to unionize, and if they repeal this, what they're trying to do is repeal the constitu- in the Constitution the right to work um, wording or whatever, legislation, whatever you want to call it, the constitutional part of the, um, that allows Arizona to be a right to work state, uh, it would repeal that if they get the signatures they need. This group needs 384,000 signatures. They had a big press conference, I think it was yesterday, which means they probably need about 500,000 signatures because you get so many bad signatures when you're out there. Um, And basically, it'll make it easier to unionize in Arizona. Of course, uh, those of us on the pro-business side say, well, this is going to make Arizona more expensive uh, to to run businesses. And and right now, Arizona is really cranking it as far as the amount of businesses coming to this state because it's easier to operate. And you're seeing the loss in states like, let's say, Michigan, let's say, New York, let's say, especially California, where they're coming to states like Arizona because they're more business-friendly states. Now, somebody said that one of the pro people, Michael McQuarrie, 
Uh, he said a campaign of fear will also be launched against this effort, and it will be backed by millions in spending by business owners and their anti-union consultants who benefit most from right-to-work laws. He went on to say it will be said that people won't invest in states with strong unions, never mind that six of the ten largest state economies are heavily unionized. Okay, I mean, yeah, California's unionized, and California's 40 million people, and California is a very, very large economy, but they have 40 million people in there. And I think 27 and a half million would like to get out of the state and go somewhere else. So I don't know if that this is a good comparison by this guy. Um, businesses, if they haven't fled California, they wish they would. I mean, this is a state that's talked about taxing people who even leave the state. Like you leave in for 10 years, you're still taxed. They want to tax, you know, capital fleeing. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, you got crime waves over there. So it's a totally bogus comparison. And yeah, New York is probably one of the largest states, Michigan. Uh, but are people wanting to stay there? Are they happy that they put their business in New York or Michigan or uh, Washington State or California? Pro- probably not. Or New Jersey, where you have some of the highest property taxes in the country. So let's see what happens with this one. So I, they, it's tough to get that many signatures. I mean, fi, to, to, to change the Arizona Constitution is the highest thresholds of signatures that are required. Uh, you can refer things that the legislature do for far less signatures, you know, maybe 200 and something thousand. So I don't know. They got their work cut out for them. And also there's going to be competing uh, attempts to get things on the ballot, like the abortion issue. Uh, people are trying to get that on as well. All right, your thoughts, work, right to work state. And repealing this from the Constitution, love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. That's talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. All right. Um, Zero Res of Northern Arizona always does a great job for people out there. And uh, thank you to everyone who's uh, let me know that they're cleaning your carpets really good and that when they're done, it, the carpets don't have that crusty, crinkly feel. You know, if you go and rent one of those cheap cheap carpet cleaners or even deal with some other carpet cleaning companies out there, uh, Zero Res uses ZR Water, and they've spent uh, a long time uh, getting this non-toxic deep clean that, that they're able to do for your, uh, for your carpets. Also, they do the tile cleaning, not just the tile surface, but also the grout. So you don't have to go down there with a toothbrush. A lot of you have tile out there. So use zero res of Northern Arizona, zero res Northern Arizona.com. And also the fabrics on your couches, uh, your vehicles as well. Go to the website right now, get a, get this book that you can do, uh, three rooms of carpet for 138 bucks. It's a great deal. Zero res Northern Arizona.com. That's zero res Northern Arizona.com or call 928-378-8888, 928-378-8888. Back in a minute, Olivia with comments. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up The Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. Listening to the Jeff Orovitz Show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Gutter Helmet. Get more info at gutterhelmetsnaz.com. This is the Jeff Orovitz Show. 
Olivia joins us. She skipped Monday. That was my fault. And then she shows up today and apparently thinks that Halloween is still happening because she has this crazy... I got to take a picture. Oh my gosh. Crazy hair. Don't you dare. What is that? What are you doing? Well, it's spirit week at school, probably because it's the week of Halloween, so we got to dress up yesterday, and today is crazy hair day. I just noticed there's eyeballs on your weird bun thing. <laughs> well, it's an octopus, so it's a bun, <sighs> that's a body, and eight little braids hanging down, and those are the legs. Are you an octopus? Yeah. Oh, octopus okay. octopus is sitting right. up on my head. All right. Well, Halloween was last night, and um, you guys all went out. There's a bunch of people out. Halloween's become an interesting event in America because it used to be just the kids go out and they're gone and then they come back sometime nine ish, hopefully. Right. <laughs> but now you go and there's like people out for a couple of years. Now this has been happening. People are like out in their front yard, like with fire pits and all that stuff. It's kind of cool. It's kind of like a community. Oh Yeah. I like event. that. Yeah. It's cool. And then there's some people are like, well, they're not involved at all. So turn the lights off. And then there's other people. It's like, I don't even want to be bothered. I put the candy bowl outside. We did that. Yeah, well, we did. But we weren't <laughs> home where you went out, trick or you guys all went out. Yeah, you know? and then we answered the yeah. door. So. Maybe I'll put a picture up in the podcast. I don't know. I dressed up. Owen and I were both in all of our full camo. So I don't know. I know. <laughs> you totally didn't look like you did every, do every day. But especially, especially, especially Owen, Owen yeah. right? But my, a little bit of my soul was ripped out every house that we went to last night because... Driving the kids. And the thing really? was, at one point, okay, so we were making fun of them the whole time. Oh. And we were like, wow, it looks real speedy. But then we were like, right, we like were going to a door at the same time as some other like kids. And then so we left and the, um, those kids went and got in their car. And then we went to the next house over and they drove to the next house over. And it was like a race it's like all the way home. feet. Now look, I get it if you have a parent, grandparent or whatever that can't walk the distances and want to go out with the kids. When I was a kid, you just went out. You got your, um, it's usually a pillowcase or something, right? And you got your homemade costume. Or if you were fortunate, you got one of those cheap plastic masks with the rubber band. I mean, that was like, wow. Uh, now it's like everybody's, I, I saw people wearing full dinosaur suits and all this stuff. So it's a big Those industry. Are funny. Yeah, I know. I'm, not, I'm just saying that back in my day, you had to make your costume. And the parents never even went with you, unless you're like super little, right? Yeah. So now if you have a problem walking or something and you're a parent or grandparent and want to kind of follow along, that's fine. But I was watching these kids get into the vehicle, these fit looking kids, drive 30 feet, get out, walk to the door, again get back again. in. And in the same time, we were already kind of lapping them and, and I know. You know, going up. I was like, I oh was my, make your kids walk. If it was me and Owen, I know that we would. So whenever we're like cutting firewood or whatever in the truck, we like are like, okay, go. And then we run and like jump into yeah, the back or whatever. I feel like we would be trying to do that. We'd be yeah. like trying to stand yeah. on the side in the back it, or whatever. There was a lot of people doing this. And I was like, okay, if you're going to eat all this candy, you probably want to get a little exercise <laughs> It, please just walk to the next house. Oh, man. But it was fun. You know, we had a good time, but it, it was a little hard to watch that. But it was great to see so many people out in the community and, you know, giving out candy. Uh, you guys got a pretty good haul in an hour, hour and a half. Now, I judge, first of all, you got one on candyflation. I guess the candy costs have gone up significantly uh, over the past year or two. Yeah, but it didn't even seem like it. But no, apparently- I'll get to that. 
Poor sugar and cocoa harvests in Mexico, India, and the Ivory Coast, primarily due to El Nino-induced weather disturbances like low rainfall, have caused a spike in candy prices for the second consecutive year. Surging prices are leading some consumers to trade down to value or store brand candy this Halloween, oh, according to AP News. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And I wouldn't blame it on El Nino and all that. I'd blame it on the idiot governments that printed trillions of dollars that cost <laughs> everything, even fun to go up, right? Even the cost of candy. No. Okay, look, every year I should hold off on my economic analysis until Halloween night and let let the kids go out and get some candy and see what the folks are handing out because it's expensive to buy candy. And I think I got a picture of, of this as well. Judging by what you guys hauled in, the economy is doing better than I thought because, A, there were no Tootsie Rolls, not, not a, a single, single Tootsie Roll. There was nothing homemade, which winds up getting thrown in the trash. You know, that I think that those days are gone where people are giving up popcorn or a candy apple or something, which is oh, kind of yeah, sad. Oh, yeah, because now people think it's poison. Yeah, everything's poison, right? I mean, you have a couple horror movies, and, and, and this is what happens. Anyway... Um, I'm taking pictures and looking at their candy and I'm like Reese's peanut butter cups, whole candy bars. Oh yeah. Entire, not, like not many giant candy. Bar. And I'm like, well, obviously the economy is doing better than I thought because people are giving out the high dollar stuff. When I start seeing Tootsie Rolls again, we're in a recession. When I see those little, what are those little things? Those uh, candy little corns. candy corns. When candy corns are in there, we're in a depression, and we're nowhere near that. I guess. I so, like candy corn. You are the only one. <laughs> Actually, you had a lot of friends over the other day. Yeah, and they were all grabbing I had a the candy friend corns. that dressed up as a candy corn and handed handed out bags of candy yeah. corn. So. I actually, you know what? I actually like to see rolls. I usually take them out, so maybe I'm a little disappointing that disappointed that I, I didn't get any Tootsie Rolls. The, um, I put them in the bag for the trick-or-treaters. Yeah. And then they get to, if I answer the door, I get to see their faces when they're like, oh. Some kids knocked Yay. at the door at five and Angela was gone and I, I just, I didn't see any candy. Some of the neighbor kids started coming around and we had like this cheap candy. <laughs> I would have figured it out if I And I was so embarrassed and, uh, you know, I was like, I'm sorry. And I'm like this, this the neighbor kid with like the, the one-year-old and I give him a big like, um, uh, what are those called? Uh, lemon drop, the big, oh. the big ones that like get stuck in your throat. And <laughs> like, sorry, I guess you guys can eat this. I started thinking about handing out like money. <laughs> I was oh like, my gosh! Or so, I was like, we got, we got ramen, we got some dollar bills, some coins, things like that. Anyway, it was good, and uh, we we had a good time last night. And then we watched uh, Ghostbusters, which is kind of an annual tradition, and that's always a fun movie to watch. But however, and I'm going to get to your comments in a second. Um, however, Olivia and I, she wanted to watch a slasher film, and I figured, okay, she's old enough now to watch some of these. Some of them are a little rough, and she was really excited about watching Halloween. I don't know why. I don't know why either. I was like, well, there's kind of a classic. So well, no, it's because you were like talking with mom. You were like, hmm, what movies are there? Oh, there's this and there's Friday this, the 13th, and Halloween, Halloween. And this and this. And so I was like, okay, okay, one of those. I was really fine equally because I didn't know what any of them were. Okay, so really? I did the preview so. for Friday the 13th, which I believe came out in 1980. And that one was four ninety nine on iTunes or whatever, right? The Apple store. So then I'm like, okay, let's check Halloween. And I kind of watched the preview and then all of a sudden it just starts playing. And I was like, well, that one's free. <laughs> well, it wasn't free. Apparently I've subscribed to AMC, which has every Halloween movie, all 53 of them on there. Right. And Poltergeist and all this and that. Right. 
And apparently I've been subscribing for 10, 12 bucks a month to AMC forever. So it wasn't exactly free. I think that movie may have cost us a couple hundred bucks, Olivia. So we start watching Halloween. From I told you we should have watched Friday the 13th. <laughs> I know. We watch Halloween from 1978 as uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. And I think it was her first role. And um, she's real young. But it was kind of, okay, the whole, I hadn't seen this probably since I was like younger than Olivia. And you're like, oh, it's so good. And mom's like, uh, it's so scary. I had nightmares. Was it good? No. Was it scary? No. <laughs> <laughs> the standard in movie making has obviously changed since 1978 because I don't think this movie, from what I remembered, you know, I'm remembering back when I was probably in my early teens, if not younger, we used to watch these movies way too young back in the day. The standard of the movie making is people would do something much better on their iPhone at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, single camera, which is okay, but like the sound was bad. I think that it would be more scary if maybe the characters had like brains. I know. It was like, (laughs) it's like, it's the total cliche of horror movies. It's like, really? You just stab the bad guy and And then then you you sit with your back to him and (laughs) drop the knife like three times? Not twice. Not even three times. Give me a break. We were just like, oh, we just didn't waste an hour and 20 minutes. So I shouldn't, (laughs) let me give you some advice. If you have those really old movies that you thought were cool when you were like nine or 12, just don't rewatch them. And don't brag about them <laughs> before you get them because I had high expectations. <laughs> I thought she was going to go to bed and have nightmares and stuff. And she's like, no, nothing. <laughs> okay, let's get to some comments. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Uh, this one's from Thomas. Hey, Thomas. Jeff and Rob, always a great show. Okay, I that up- was um, Monday. Just um, to- yeah. Okay. I signed up for firearms training. I'll be attending early next month. I bought a 9mm SIG P320 two years. I've taken it out once with my very experienced brother-in-law. It's embarrassing. I know nothing about guns or ammo, but I feel it's time that I need to know what I'm doing. Scary times are here. Like a Boy Scout, I need to be prepared. God bless you and thank you. Hey, thanks, Thomas. Yeah, that's the thing about firearms, and I... I've been around firearms my entire life. Um, I got my first, I think I got a 22 when I was probably Owen's age. Then I got the same 20 gauge shotgun I still have for my dad shortly after that. Um, So it was kind of ingrained at a young age. But then I didn't, I kind of stayed away from fire, not stayed away, but just didn't didn't really go out shooting or hunting or anything for a long stretch of time, Um, you know, after Angela and I got together and had kids and this and that, but we've really in the past few years gotten more into it, hunting, target shooting, things like that. And I can tell you, it's like, well, it's like riding a bike, you can get right back on, but it's also a skill that, you know, you're not going to go mountain biking down a big windy road of jumps and cliffs and stuff. It's a, it's something that diminishes. And if you don't use it, and especially if you haven't been around it forever, um, it is important to get instruction on safety because, and I'm doing this a lot with Owen right now. I'm like, keep it down. And even when you got, you've been out shooting too. Mm-hmm. Keep it down, point it down. Olivia's big into archery. Um, you have to get that training or be around people that are very familiar. That'll, that'll show you the ropes because it'll kill you. You know, it, yeah, no, it won't kill you. You'll kill yourself or somebody else by, you know, doing something stupid. And then stupid. all guns will be banned forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So good job. Yeah, and, and, and Timberlines, they, they're great out there. Um, just north of Flagstaff Mall, you go out there. Um, or if you want some training, call them up. I'll give them a plug, 526-7900, You can book training, and I'd recommend, and I need to do more training, even though the amount I've been around guns, I'm an amateur compared to Rob and a lot of people. Thanks for that comment, Thomas. 
Don't you, uh, this one's from Paul. Don't hey, you Paul. remember Hillary Clinton and John McCain made a deal and sold X amount of our ur- uranium to Russia? Oh, yeah, that was also on Monday's show, maybe Tuesday's show. I was talking about how the world's in a weird state, obviously, in a crazy state, and we're in a de facto war with Russia, basically, over Ukraine and other areas, Israel now, too. And, you know, we get, we're, it's not like World War II where, we stopped buying stuff from Japan, right? You weren't getting tires and stuff from Southeast Asia, but here we are in basically de facto war with Russia and we're, we're getting like 12% of our uranium from them still. And I was, uh, he reminded me about uh, uranium one deal back in, I think 2010 with Hillary Clinton, where supposedly we sold like 20% of the U S's uranium is being exported to uh, Russia. And maybe it's being exported over there and then enriched because Russia is a big, they do enrichment. That's a big industry over there. And then we need it for our reactors over here. So even though we're at like a de facto war with Russia, Oh, we're still getting our uranium from them. (laughs) You know, and probably well, and sending a bunch safe. over to them as well. I mean, it is crazy. And who knows what happened with that deal with Hillary Clinton and the supposed money that went back and forth for speaking engagements and the, 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 the Clinton Foundation and all that. It's just corruption exists on so many levels in this country at this point, especially with these these politicians. All right, let's do another one. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Hi, Jeff and family. A couple of years ago, I left a comment that my family and I watched. Schindler's 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 list list every year so as not to forget what can happen if we are not paying attention I see the same hatred rising again against Jewish people when I see people around the world in mobs chanting their demise I pray we are not allowing ourselves to be deceived or misled Deborah thank you Deborah I appreciate that comment it is look history doesn't repeat but it certainly rhymes and it is crazy to see of the anti-Semitism that's going on around the world and the craziness going on around the world. I think when we were talking about some of these issues uh, just the other day, um, there was a plane full of um, people from Israel, Jews from Israel that landed somewhere in Russia and Russians mobbed the runway and were attacking them. And then we had the, the, the college kid that had to get locked in the, here in the U.S. in the library because people were outside, you know, chanting and uh, protesting pro Hamas, uh, uh, gatherings that were happening and that are happening in our colleges and campuses throughout. Uh, there's warnings from the State Department about unprecedented risks of terror right now. Um, we we certainly, uh, many of us know our history, Deborah, but we certainly don't heed the warnings of history. And I think this, and I've talked about this for quite a few years, how when you lose the direct connection of people being alive that dealt with these times in history. So let's say World War II, uh, which ended in 1945. So a very long time ago. So there's very few people that are now alive. Um, and the people that uh, were in concentration camps in uh, Nazi Germany, um, even on the, in Japan, the, the horrors that happened over there, uh, even things that have happened in this country, you know how they detained the Japanese Americans uh, during uh, the early 1940s, during the early part of World War II. All of that stuff gets forgotten other than the history books. And we're at that point where there's very few people left alive that have that direct connection. So you kind of repeat this. Almost every four generations, you seem to repeat some kind of version of history. And we don't, we don't learn the lesson. But we do know about that girl who's at the football game, that, that, that singer every day that the news reports on. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. we know we know kind of nonsense information. Every little thing about every all little these detail there. And- 
I thank you all Whatever. for your comments. I know we have some more, and we'll try to get to them maybe uh, uh, in the second hour of the show or perhaps um, uh, tomorrow on, on Thursday's program. So I do appreciate everyone who does send in comments, whether it be uh, you know, by emailing talkwithjeff at iCloud.com, uh, on the YouTube page, the Rumble page, the podcast, all of that. You can comment on all, all of those, and I, I really do appreciate that. I, I, there was another comment on, on talkwithjeff.com, by the way, from Nancy thanking um, – me and Mark for going over the propositions in Flagstaff. Uh, and thanks for re-listening to that, Nancy. Um, and I let Nancy know, and I let all you know that yesterday during the first hour of the show, Angela and I went over the propositions. And this is worth listening to, even if you don't live in Flagstaff, because I think it, it, it it's a glimpse into how government operates and how these politicians operate, which is they always want more power and they always want more money. And the title of that podcast in the YouTube video is um, uh, Flagstaff Politicians... Um, let, let me get the exact one. Are Flagstaff politicians trying to pull a fast one? I think it's well worth listening to that um, 38 minutes or so and hearing how these politicians are trying to give themselves more power and these bureaucrats are trying to give themselves more power. All right. Thank you once again for all those comments. Uh, let's see here. Uh, if you get a rock chip in your windshield, remember to always call Diamond Auto Glass first. Uh, if you don't get that chip fixed quickly, it'll spread to the rest of your windshield. Then you're going to need a whole new costly windshield replacement. And here's the deal. Now you got cameras that you got to align and Diamond Autoglass can do all of that. Uh, but try to prevent from even getting to that point. Call Diamond Autoglass, get your chip rock chip repaired. They'll do a new windshield for you if you need it. And they do a great job. Angela and I have been going there for years. 928-779-4140. That's Diamond Auto Glass at 928-779-4140 or go to thedifferenceisclear.com. Back in a minute. listening to the podcast please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there if you're not listening to the podcast subscribe look up the jeff orbit show also on video rumble follow us there and on youtube subscribe we appreciate everyone who's done that This is the Jeff Orovitz Show. Angela spent the better part of two years getting our policies over to Eric and Lisa Boatner at uh, Eric Boatner Allstate Agency in Flagstaff. Uh, We did that because we wanted to make sure they're providing great customer service. Checkmark there. They've done a great job. Uh, We also did it and transferred a lot of policies over to Eric Boatner at Allstate Agency because we're saving a lot of money. It wound up being thousands of dollars a year. See what they can do for you if you need home, auto, motorcycle, RV, off-road, vehicles, boat insurance, business owners, life insurance. Uh, they can handle all of that. Call Eric Boatner, Allstate Agency at 928-774-8722. That's Eric Boatner, Allstate Agency, 928-774-8722. All right, Olivia, thanks for the getting the comments there. We'll try to get you back to, to do more of those. I know that we've got some other items to hit on too, but um, rolling on here, end of the hour. Have a good day with rest of the day with my that hair octopus. Yeah, yeah, octopus hair. i'll try to get that. a picture in the podcast and <laughs> oh, really no. annoy olivia no, no, no. <laughs> all right stick around hour two coming up uh we got a lot more to come so i'll be back in just a few hang tight
Hi, this is Jeff Orvitz, and I started Flagstaff4Lease.com several years ago to provide homes and office space in the Flagstaff area. Check out my current listings up at Flagstaff, the number 4, Lease.com. That's Flagstaff4Lease.com. We've got everything from one to four bedroom homes available right now. Also, we have office space. Single room suites up to larger spaces are now available up at Flagstaff4Lease.com or call 928-526-7909. Flagstaff4Lease.com is an equal housing opportunity. This portion of the show is brought to you by my favorite pizza place, Namarco's Pizza, three locations in Flagstaff, and order online at namarcospizza.com. This is the Jeff Orbit Show. All right, welcome back. Hour two of the show. I got a comment from Greg here on real estate I want to get to. I've got another real estate related issue that we should hit on a jury finding $1.78 billion in damages in several companies that sell real estate on the commission side of things. So there's a lawsuit in the Midwest um, against different agencies or different real estate companies, the National Association of Realtors, regarding how they split that commission. Uh, I've got some stuff on the minimum wage here in Arizona. i got the numbers statewide where they're going to be January 1st. And if I've got time, um, I was talking about electric vehicles on the program just the other day. We do that quite a bit here. And I was, we, were, we were talking about how Ford and GM have lost billions and have now used words, a different language about moving forward with EV, sounding like they're ready to kind of back off a little bit. But who knows, because they've lost many billions of dollars. I have some information here from Toyota who has actually got this right. They did kind of the middle ground thing, which was really promote hybrids for a long time. And they're having a huge success because they didn't go down the EV rabbit hole. They may very well well go down the EV rabbit hole with these other companies, but I don't know. Now that these others are backing off, maybe they're going to keep going this hybrid route, which seems to be a reasonable way forward versus the government waving a magic wand and saying, we're going to do electric cars, and that's just the way it is. We're from the government, and we're here to help you. (laughs) So let me get you all those details. Uh, Oh, and in the diamond, last, last hour I said that... And, and I think I was talking with Olivia with, with the comments that the Diamondbacks, last I had checked, we were talking about Halloween was like 10 to 1 yesterday. And I was like, I don't know what they lost by. But they, they tried to come back. It was 11 to 7 loss in game four. So we'll see as they head back to Texas if the Arizona can maybe come back and give us some you know, home state pride here. We'll see. It doesn't look Super promising, but anything can happen. All right, let's get to all of that here in just a second. And any comments you got, love to hear from you. As always, talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. And remember to go to Diamond Auto Glass. Please support our great sponsor here. If you get a rock chip in your windshield, no matter where you're at in northern Arizona, you can zip on in into Flagstaff. I know many of you visit Flagstaff, even if you don't live uh, in or near the city, usually come up for shopping from you know Winslow or Williams or Verde Valley. Uh, you get a rock chip in your windshield. Call Diamond Auto Glass first because they'll get that repaired and then it won't spread to the rest of your windshield and then you need a whole new one. That gets pretty expensive. They can do that too if you need a whole new windshield. I've been there, done that. Angela and I have used Diamond Auto Glass for years. Give them a call, 928-779-4140. 928-779-4140. Or go to thedifferenceisclear.com. Now, let's, let's do this email. I missed this one last hour with uh, um, Olivia. We, we talked quite a bit about Halloween, so we ran out of time. Uh, the other day, I was talking about real estate. This may have been last week. And 
I've been talking about real estate for years and I've, I've put the blame on a lot of cost increases to home ownership on government regulation, government rules, you know, uh, ordinances, how much more it costs to get a water heater, for example, 500 bucks. Now it's like 1500 bucks. And, you know, that's going to go up even more, maybe even another thousand bucks as we get this new generation and new energy standards for water heaters and for, um, Things like, um, you know, dishwashers, gas stoves, they're increasing all of that. Air condition, everything's going up because of government regulations. Plus, there's been artificial land scarcity that's been created in many places, especially in the West, because the government owns so much land, so you can't develop that. Now, it's great because we have all this open space and all this land, right? I mean, Arizona's, what, 80% federally owned and, and bases and reservation and this and that. Basically, a lot of places you can't build. Uh, even around Flagstaff, you've got all this uh, BLM land. You got national parks, you got national forest and all that. So there's less land available. It's, it's like Flagstaff, for example, Sedona, for example, is like an island. So there's all those regulations that add to the cost of building. Now, there's also uh, private sector, you know, forces or, or market forces at work here. Uh, I've acknowledged that people want to live in the mountains in Flagstaff. People want to live in the canyon in Sedona. Uh, you know, you name it, uh, beautiful places really throughout most of Northern Arizona where people want to live and it becomes more desirable. So people bid up the prices and, and gobble up the land and buy second homes and this and that. You get all that. So there are factors like that at play. Uh, there are other things as well. And Greg wanted to point one of those out in his email. And you can email me, talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Um, I, I, by the way, I had said that, like I said, I said government can do little to help this other than get out of the way. If they got out of the way, some of these costs, a lot of these costs would go down. Greg has a little bit of a different take on it and makes some good points here. This is actually something, here's from Greg, this is actually something that could be helped by government. I hate to say that, by the way, but if you pass the law to stop these major investment groups from buying up private housing as assets to their portfolio, it would lower the costs. Uh, we don't need companies like BlackRock, it's a big investment company, owning our neighborhoods. They clearly do not have America's best interests in mind as they push the green agenda and the 20, and, and 2030, you will own nothing agenda. The major difference between 2008's real estate value crash and today is that we are now allowing these investment groups to buy up all the private property and hold it so instead of price, the price going down and staying down as people go into foreclosure on their loans and then have their property auctioned off at a lower dollar figure, which drives down prices. Uh, he's re referring to 2008 and when everything tanked, there was foreclosures. I, I forget that so many people really weren't paying attention at this. I mean, there's so many younger people now who weren't uh, aware of this or even around for that, you know, the great financial crisis. And remember how everything just tanked so bad. I don't know a lot of you do remember that. I remember I was in the middle of that. Um, he continues on. People are just selling them to corporations online, which keeps the pricing artificially high and prices out a lot of individual buyers. All right, Greg, thank you for that. Um, yeah, a lot of good points there. Uh, BlackRock does own, well, if, if you go to their site and look at their reporting and all that, and BlackRock, a big hedge fund, owns trillions and trillions and trillions in assets, right? Um, they, of course, claim and they say that hey, we don't own individual real estate. We're not buying up all the real estate. We own companies that own real estate. They own real estate investment trusts and things like that. Uh, BlackRock has about $120 billion 
dollars in real estate, uh, you know, residential real estate in, in the country through those, through those funds and all that. Um, I, I found this Reuters article, which you might find interesting. Uh, it, it talks about, uh, well, it starts off actually talking about Bill Gates because we hear about, just to divert for a section, second, we, we hear about Bill Gates, and I'm not a big fan of Bill Gates by any means, but we hear to talk about how Bill Gates is buying up all the farmland in the U.S. And he's buying up, and he owns so much. He owns hundreds of thousands of acres of farmland. And sometimes we want to, and again, no fan of Bill Gates, but sometimes we want to kind of paint a, a boogeyman and point blame at, blame at someone. But if you look at all the farmland in America and you look at someone like Bill Gates, he owns 0.027% of all U.S. farmland. I mean, it, it, in, in comparison to how much land is out there, he does own a lot, but it's still, uh, it's hard for any one individual to, even if they're as wealthy as Bill Gates or Elon Musk or whoever, to buy up everything. There just ain't enough dollars out there because the, the, the real estate market is so many multi-trillions of dollars. Uh, anyway, on the BlackRock this Reuters article says BlackRock does not directly own single family homes as the world's largest asset manager. It owns stock and companies that do, but these companies do not own a majority of us single family homes. Invit, uh, invitation homes, for example, has approximately 80,000 homes for lease across the country and is the largest landlord for single family homes in the United States. Uh, American homes for rent holds around 57,000 single family properties and BlackRock is a shareholder in, in both companies. It goes on to say there are about 94.6 million, let's just round it up for easy numbers, 95 million single family houses in the United States, according to the latest data available from U.S. Census Bureau. This is a survey back in 2019. So I'm sure it's, it's close. 95 million single family homes in, in the entire country. As of the latest rental housing finance survey in 2018, there were, let's call it 20 million rental properties in the United States, 17 million of them, uh, single family or single unit rental properties. So single family homes, just over 70% of those were owned by individual investors. Uh, for context, inf invitation homes and American homes for rent combined homes would be less than 1% of the 17 million homes. If total housing numbers stayed the same in the last three years. Um, and the article goes on from there. So what, what they're saying here is that with 95 million single family homes in the U S 20 million of them are owned by investors. And I would be one of them. I have, uh, you know, we have single family homes, things like that. We've invested and we started with one, you know, a long, a long time ago and, uh, was able to, to buy a few right over time. And we would be considered, a corporate owner of a single of, of rental properties. So I get what you're saying, Greg, but when we say, Hey, we, we can't have the companies buying up a majority of us single family homes. Um, it's just not really the case here when you're looking at 95 million single family homes across the U S and the rental, the, the homes that are owned by investors is 20 million. And that could be an investor that owns one rental property. It could be an investor that owns, you know, five or 10. I know a lot of people that have, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 homes that they've managed to buy over, you know, 20, 30 year period. And usually they actually hold them in an LLC. So they hold it in a corporate structure for many different reasons, which I won't go into now. Um, with, with you on that one, uh, but they hold it in a, in a corporate structure. So those could all be classified as, hey, yeah, you're a corporation, you own that property, whereas they're local people providing the housing. And again, if you go into it and you've got individuals 
owning 70% or small landlords owning like 70% according to this data of these homes. And then you've got a company like uh, BlackRock and they, they gave the number here at some point. You know, it's, it's a very small percentage that's owned by the bigger companies. Um, so I just, I, yeah, I, I think most of these single family homes, the vast majority are still owned by individuals or small investment companies. And I, I, I think, it, yeah, it's having an impact on the market, but Zillow tried to do this. Remember a few years ago, Zillow, you know, that's a place where people go look up the value of their homes and sometimes they do it incessantly and way too much. Zillow was buying up a bunch of real estate couple until a couple years ago. I don't know if they've recovered, but then they, all of a sudden they had to sell like seven or 8,000 of them at once at, at a loss. So that can happen as well. I think, Greg, that some of the factors that are they're also causing the real estate market to continue to be higher priced and not coming down, again, I would lay squarely at the government because there's so many people that have bought homes that are refusing to move because the asset has almost become the mortgage at this point. Now, hear me out. Back when the COVID hysterics and lunacy hit, you know, they drove down the interest rates and people were getting refinancing at two and a half, three percent. How many of you out there refinanced? I hope you did, took advantage of that and got a 30-year fixed note at three percent or less. And then fast forward just a couple years, and the Federal Reserve raised interest rates the quickest in history. And now mortgage, 30-year mortgage uh, is like eight percent, uh, which by historic standards isn't that high, but it's pretty damn high compared to two and a half to three percent that you many people were getting. So a lot of people are not moving if they don't have to, if they don't have to move for work reasons or, or whatever, health, this, this or that. Why move across town for a slightly different home, slightly bigger, slightly smaller, whatever the case is, and then all of a sudden you're like getting an 8% mortgage when you can just stay put at 2.5, 2.75, whatever you're at. So a lot of people are staying put and the inventory is not there. And uh, uh, Kelly Broaddus has talked about this here on the show. Kelly Broaddus, you know, is my go-to gal for real estate. So yeah, why move? So to me, there's another check mark on the government side of things they did, which was artificially low interest rates. And now people, I wouldn't want to use the word are trapped, but people are like definitely not incentivized to move at all. Or, and even if the, the deal looks good, even if they have many hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity, they're deciding, I'm just going to stay put. Even though I could maybe walk away with three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000, what's the point? If I want to stay in the same town I'm in, like Flagstaff or Sedona, you name it, I move and then I'm just, I'm just putting all that money into a new, more expensive house. And maybe I even got to get an, a, a mortgage at 8%. So anyway, Greg, it's a, it's a great comment. You make up great, it, it, you, you bring up great points, but I, I think the data shows that even though the corporations are buying a lot of homes, I, that obviously has some impact on the market. I still put the blame, a lot of this on government in the way we've uh, created easy money for so long when it comes to home ownership and uh, when it comes to lending and whatnot. And in 2000, you know, leading up to 2007, 2008, a lot of that was also easy money. I mean, you, you, you get the, uh, uh, you, you, can you breathe and fog up a mirror loan, you know? Can, do you have a pulse type loan? And they shot out money practically from the other side of the desk. I mean, that's just easy lending standards. 
and it's and it's all backed up by, like I said, the fe- the federal government. They're, just, they're covering all this stuff. So anyway, um, I don't see this changing anytime soon because interest rates are still quite high. The Federal Reserve met today and talked today at least and said they're holding the interest rates the same right for right now. We'll see what inflation does. If inflation starts ticking up, you may see those interest rates go up even higher, or maybe interest rates come crashing down as we get closer to the election and these politicians try to buy your vote. That's possible too. That could cause the housing market to go even more crazy. Again, fueled by cheap, quote unquote, free government money or cheap lending, uh, you know, backed by the federal government. Uh, one more thing. Um, there may also be a lot of, and it depends where you live. If you live in a hot spot like Sedona or, or Flagstaff, where a lot of people are tourists and all that, another factor could actually be the 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 rental market, which would be a private sector force. I know there is a lot of homes that are currently uh, short term rentals that people own and then rent for you know the night or the week or whatever. And those typically have been. Uh, owned by individuals or rented to families, you know, for, for long-term rentals. That's definitely a factor too, Greg. I mean, it could be a lot of those, but that's really a private sector factor. Um, and it's hard to go in. You can't go in and, and single out uh, somebody who owns one home versus two homes or a corporation that owns a home. Uh, you know, the next thing we, we, we get to be like China. All I can say, Greg, is wait. I've seen these things correct on their own more times than not. And the excesses eventually get rinsed out. And who the heck knows? I wouldn't rule out another housing market crash at some point. I don't have a crystal ball though, but any, everything that goes up like crazy surely comes down usually at some point like crazy and it corrects itself. And uh, no financial advice here, but people who usually have money set aside in those situations whether it be cash or the uh, available assets in some form or, or fashion, you know, they can then go buy up these things, like like you said, like happened with foreclosures back in 2008. It's not out of the question that that'll happen again. All right, talk with Jeff at iCloud. I hope I explained that well for you, Greg. And uh, let me know if you disagree. I always love your comments. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. All right, let's see here. Um, oh, okay, well, this is uh, timely. <laughs> This, I did not plan this. This was just up in the rotation. My good friend Kim Dawson at Nova Home Loans, sponsor of this portion of the show. Uh, I actually went to Kim last year before the interest rates went flying up. Uh, but if you need to buy a home right now, well, go see Kim. She's going to get you the best deal that, she, that you can get. Um, she's also going to uh, look at all the different programs because Arizona's largest privately owned mortgage lender is Nova Home Loans. So they can act like a bank or a broker and they can find those different programs uh, to get you the best. If you're a first time buyer, best program out there. Uh, maybe you need cash out refinance. So you're not carrying all those uh, high interest rate credit cards anymore. Maybe you have some equity in your home. Uh, Angela and I used Kim Dawson at Nova Home Loans for an investment property, uh, you know, for a multifamily property. She did a great job. By the way, mention the Jeff Orvitz show when you call Kim Dawson. Dawson, get $250 off the lender's fee at closing. Here's the number for Kim, 928-310-6458, 928-310-6458, or go to novahomeloans.com slash Kim Dawson. Uh, Kim Dawson, NMLS 697411, Nova Home Loans, NMLS 3087BK number 090242, equal housing opportunities, subject to credit approval, terms and conditions may apply. Back in a minute. If you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up the Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. You're listening to the Jeff Orbit Show.
Speaking of housing, if you're looking at a roof that's fallen apart, don't replace your old roof. You may be able to uh, extend the life of it. You got to call Dave at Fresh Roof of Northern Arizona. You may be able to save up to 90% of the cost of a new asphalt shingle roof. Fresh Roof of Northern Arizona rejuvenates your roof with a revolutionary, all-natural, non-toxic, sustainable treatment. Give Dave a call. Dave's a experienced home inspector. Get a free roof inspection and an estimate at 928-301-9404. 928-301-9404. Whether you're just maximizing the life cycle of your roof or trying to stretch the life of an old one, call 928-301-9404 or go to freshroofofnaz.com. thing that's helping increase the cost of everything for everybody is the minimum wage in Arizona. Arizona has one of the highest minimum wages in the country, uh, which is weird because we're such a pro-business friendly state. Although if you listen last hour, there is now a group trying to take away Arizona's status as a right to work state and make it a more pro-union organizing type of state. I'd love your thoughts on that one. Uh, we would right now we're half, about half the states are, are, um, um, right to work states. And there's a group out there trying to get a, enough signatures, 300 and something thousand to change that in the Arizona constitution. But we also have one of the highest minimum wages. That's definitely, well, it's a government thing, but really it's a people thing because the people of Arizona voted this in the people of Flagstaff voted this in. I was talking to a business owner, I think it was yesterday and they were very concerned with their in Flagstaff with the trajectory of the minimum wage. And they're having trouble with, uh, it, it's it's become it's more burdensome than anyone imagined because the costs have shot up so much. Their number one cost being labor, and Flagstaff right now is at sixteen eighty. It's going to go to do I have this right seventeen forty on January first? Is that the new number? Uh, so so quite high. There's projections that before you know it by you know two thousand and thirty or so, you're just coming up in a few years. You're going to be at twenty five dollars an hour for minimum wage. And what's happened was I thought that this was going to cause people who think about this when before all this minimum wage stuff started back uh, a few years ago in Flagstaff, if you were making $15 an hour, you, you were, you, you were making much higher than minimum wage. If you're making 18, 20 bucks an hour. And I thought that that was going to push all those people much, much, much higher. Like your minimum wage person's getting now 1740. So that per other person was going to be making 25, 26. What this business owner is telling me is like most people are now making minimum wage in a lot of places. So the, 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 the people who were on the upper end who were making a lot more, probably because of, you know, they earned it, they um, maybe excelled in, the, in, in whatever business or whatever, they, they, they just, they busted butt, you know, and they were making a lot more. They're making five, 10 bucks more an hour than other people. He says, those people have not increased much at all. And a lot of people are now all compressed into the minimum wage range. So he actually pointed out that, well, the person who came up with this, a former council member, she's a Democrat socialist, says, well, they got what they wanted, I guess, because now everything's kind of the same. So everybody's working for the same amount. It's not even socialism. That's more towards communism. So he said that's one example of a business owner, and I, I, I'm sure that others have similar stories. You may have a different one, but those wages have compressed all into the same area, and everybody's making that minimum wage now, maybe a couple bucks more. 
So it's, it's interesting stuff. And then the state's going up. Um, Arizona's state minimum wage is also going up. That's, that's connected to CPI. So I think CPI was 3.7% over the, the period that they looked at. So starting January 1st of 2024, the state minimum wage in Arizona will be one of the highest in the nation at 1435. And like I said, Flagstaff will be at 1740. I don't know. I, I still see people, a lot of people at restaurants, though, they're still cranking it. So, uh, but th- those costs have definitely increased significantly as far as the menu prices. You know, they, they keep crossing out the prices and making, making up new ones. And I don't, I don't blame them. Their costs keep going up on everything. All right. Uh, speaking of finances and money and the market and all that, um, I've, I've, I bring Glenn Least on the program from WT Wealth Management every couple of weeks to give us a market update. Um, I love his woke mitigation portfolio. Uh, remember, I, I, I do have some investments with Glenn Lease and WT Wealth Management for full disclosure. I don't um, endorse or, and let me say, encourage anyone to invest in any particular fund or anything like that. Always seek out your own uh, financial planner, financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Don't blame me because you can lose money at anything. But look, I like to work with people who are very knowledgeable, people who have the same principles and um, share the same family values that I do. And I've found Glenn Least of WT Wealth Management to have all of that. Uh, maybe you want to have him look at your portfolio. Maybe you want to have a one-on-one conversation with Glenn Least, see if he's the right fit for you like he has been for my family. Call Glenn Least right now, 928-225-2474. That's Glenn Least at WT Wealth Management, 928-225-2474, 928-225-2474. Back in a minute. Hey, if you're listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe. Look up The Jeff Orbit Show. Also on video, Rumble, follow us there. And on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. Listening to the Jeff Orovitz Show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Just Wireless. This is where I take my smartphone to get repaired. Get more information at JustWirelessAZ.com. This is the Jeff Orovitz Show. Oh, what do I drop here? I was miscalculate my time. I want to get to this jury thing with the realtors. Um, I've also got something from Toyota. Uh, let's see why well, uh, gifts give you some information you can use as far as not getting a ticket. Let's start with that one. That one's an easy one. Uh, winter parking ordinance is now in effect as of uh, today, Wednesday, November 1st, 2023 in Flagstaff. So that's somewhere between the hours of something and something. I didn't look it up, but there's a time frame. Is after 7 p.m. or something where you can't park on the street? So you got to uh, – I love this in Sunnyside. Sunnyside's a neighborhood kind of uh, – um, in the 4th Street area of Flagstaff. And they were promised sidewalks forever. And then the city came in a few years ago and they paved or they, they, they poured all these sidewalks and extended everything out and took away a bunch of parking. It's a real nightmare in there. Never understood sidewalks on both sides of the street. Just put them on one. Uh, but people lost a bunch of parking in there. It's a, it's a nightmare. Um, so anyway, in Flagstaff, you know, you can't 
park on the on the streets in the evening hours so that way you can aid them with with snow removal which at, at this current juncture doesn't look like a problem it looks like it's going to be warming up but it'll happen at some point i also saw that the plows for a dot they started uh taking all those dump trucks and getting the plows on them and setting up the sanders and stuff the cinder cinder spreaders behind them um so that's they're getting ready with something like 200 this is about 200 uh plows and um cinder spreaders that are out there uh, and get geared up for the winter. So be ready. Could, winter could come at any any time. Um, okay, so back to some more real estate. U.S. jury finds realtors liable for inflating commissions, awards $1.78 billion in damages from Reuters. Uh, let me just read this article. They summed it up pretty good out of all the articles I read. A verdict by the federal jury in Kansas City, Missouri, could upend decades-old practices that have allowed real estate agents to boost commissions as home prices and mortgage rates rise, hurting consumers by making housing transactions more expensive. The plaintiffs in the class action included sellers of more than 260,000 homes in Missouri, Kansas, and Illinois between 2015 and 2022, who objected to the commissions they were obligated to pay buyers brokers. Uh, the verdict allowed a two-week trial. I'm sorry. The verdict followed a two-week trial, and the damages award can be uh, tripled under U.S. antitrust law to more than 5.3 billion dollars. So, these homeowners, which is interesting, because you sign a contract when you sign up with a realtor. I used to be a realtor. I never really went out there and sold it to the public. I was kind of did it for my own company and all that. Um, well, if I'm being honest about it, it was to save commissions on the, on the, on the one end, because a lot of times you have five or 6% commission on when you go in and you list a home to sell. And then the selling agent will usually, the buyer will bring someone in. And then a lot of times there's like a commission split. Oh, we pay 2% of that 5% or 2.5%. It'll be listed in the agreement and it'll show it. So you did. You do sign up though when you sell a home. Let's say you're selling a home for five hundred thousand dollars. A lot of times, it's like you agree on. Okay, my commission is five percent, so that's twenty five thousand bucks. So let's say, and I'm not a realtor anymore, but let's say I was, and I, I listed your home, and we agreed a five percent of the sales price as the commission. Um, I will then post that property, and we'll make an agreement that if a buyer comes in, you know, buyer's agent. Well, we split, um, I have a, I, I, I do 2.5% to the buyer, right? So they get half of it. So 12,500. So what I guess these people were claiming and what the jury agreed to was that, Hey, the buyer side, they shouldn't be getting that commission that this is a, I don't know if they called it collusion, but antitrust type activity. So we'll see what happens. They're saying it was, it was several big real estate firms that you would recognize that, that got sued. Some settled, uh, not claiming any fault, but settled and didn't want to go through the trial process. They say they're going to appeal this. So this will probably be a couple more, many more months, if not years, to see if the real estate market nationally, or at least the um, the commission structure changes. Uh, here's another one from Yahoo. In the, as far as what may come of this, uh, in the worst case scenario for the defendants, um, they could ban the judge who's going to rule on this soon, could ban the cooperative compensation rule nationally, on the multiple listing service, the MLS service, which would prevent listing agents and home sellers from predetermining buyer agent commission rates. Listing agents would also be prohibited from sharing commissions with buyer's agents. So they're just talking about how they split that. 
or, or come up with some kind of split, a buyer agent commission rates would, and buyer agent commission rates would not be published in the MLS. Alternatively, the judge could also keep elements of the rule in place and require an offer of at least one cent in cooperative compensation in the MLS field. Um, so I don't know. Is it the end of buyer's agents? Is it the end of the, there's no standard fee and that they'll pound that into you when you get your real estate license, but it pretty much seems like the standard fee is five or 6% across the country on assets that have increased quite a bit. Uh, will buyers, and I don't think this will affect the seller's agents as much because most of the time they're splitting it anyway. So a typical selling agent will, you know, maybe make 2.53% of the commission on the house and you get a good agent. They're out there. And, you know, I talk about this a lot with, with like Kelly Broadus, they're in there. Uh, they're in there, you know, really pumping it, advertising it for you and, and working their tail off. There's some that don't do that. Obviously it's like, like any industry, um, but they're working their tail off. So they get a predetermined commission, you know, of, of whatever you agree to with the seller. But maybe if this holds and then spreads to other lawsuits throughout the country, you could see, you could see people not wanting to be a buyer's agent anymore. So you're going to look for a house and then all of a sudden, you know, there's not a lot of buyer's representation, or maybe you're going back to the old way they're doing it where they're hiring a real estate attorney or they're just, they're paying a flat fee. Okay. We're going to buy a house. I'm going to pay you $5,000 to take me around and show me all these houses. Or maybe it's changing where people are just doing this online and they're getting access and the need for uh, the buyer's agent is perhaps less than it used to be. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens with this, but interesting because when you when you're talking homes that are a million dollars in a lot of areas, eight hundred thousand million dollars, it, it is a, a large sum of money. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Love to hear from you. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Uh, let's see here. Another one I want to follow up on. I was just telling you yesterday about the was that yesterday? Let me see if I can pull this one up. I should have had these numbers. The losses that the car manufacturers are are, are dealing with. Um, because of electri electrification. And I believe it was over, is over, I can't find it, of course. I, I believe it was over a billion dollars that Ford was losing and over a billion dollars that GM was losing uh, because of the push for electri electrification. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. Um, yeah, they're, because they're, they're pushing for people to buy these cars um, and they've lost, I shouldn't even say over a billion dollars. They've lost billions and billions of dollars every quarter. And Ford and GM were particularly hit hard by this. And they, they're finally saying things like, hey, we're going to, um, we're going to, we're changing, we're changing our plans. I don't remember the exact words, but yeah, maybe this isn't working out like we thought. Yeah. You think, cause you, the only reason they're, they're still in business is because they're, they're still making a lot of money on their gasoline vehicles and their diesel vehicles, but mostly gasoline vehicles. Well, Toyota's got it right. Um, and I was looking at an article from CNBC earlier today. Toyota's profit more than doubled, driven in part by strong demand for hybrids. Toyota's been kind of the master at these hybrids. I mean, other manufacturers are doing it, right? But Toyota started off, they really hit a home run with the Prius. I'm not a big fan of the look of the Prius, but as far as gas or fuel efficiency, Oh man, I mean, and reliability. And there's been Priuses driving around now for ten plus years, and you know, a hybrid car has a small gasoline engine, and it also has a battery and a, a, an electric a motor and a battery. 
And they've Toyota's been able to set up to where, you know, when you're braking, it's recharging. When the wheels are spinning, it's recharging, this and that. It's not relying on solely plug-in, although I think Toyota's done a lot of, uh, they've changed it to where you can also plug these things in too. So they're offering kind of the best of, of all three worlds. People are gobbling them up and Toyota's making a ton of money. This is the way to go. This is the way to go. And Toyota's got this right because people are nervous about electric cars. They're nervous about the reliability. People need to get to work. People don't want to spend that much money. I was looking at Toyota's uh, hybrid cars and you know, there's plenty of models in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 30, 40,000, 50, know, $50,000. And people want that reliability and Toyota's just absolutely nailed it. So that's the route to go. Now, Toyota finally, like last year, said, hey, we're going to get deeper into the electric uh, EV market. I hope they don't. I hope they hold their own because they're going to continue to dominate the market and continue to have huge profits. And then the other car companies are going to look at it. Eventually, uh, shareholders and, and whatnot, the ones that aren't just uh, you know woke, are going to say, hey, what's Toyota doing? We need to do something like that. I think the, EV, uh, the, the hybrid model is a great way to go. You got the best of both worlds there. And in many situations for people who are commuting, things like that, works great. You know, it works great. They're even doing larger trucks like that now as well. Uh, one other factor I should, I should point out here, uh, Toyota did have a pretty good kick because the, the Japanese yen has been held artificially down. So uh, when you're selling it in dollars over here, that actually helped their bottom line as well. So a little bit of financial finagling there too, but there's no doubt that their hybrids are absolutely helping them in the market. All right, love your thoughts. Go and send in a comment. Talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Let's talk with Jeff at iCloud.com. Uh, hey, my family's always liked to own for decades now a little bit of physical gold and silver, and we rely on Justin and his family-run company at Desert Gold Exchange. They keep their overhead low. They pass those savings on to you so you can get the absolute best price on physical gold and silver. I don't tell you what to invest in. I tell you to do as much research as possible. Always seek out a financial planner, uh, legal counsel, anything like that when you're investing because you could lose money, And I've, but I don't look at it like a lot of people do when I own physical gold and silver. I look at it as an insurance policy, and I hold it for a long time, if not forever, because of government insanity and money printing and nonstop uh, deficit spending. So I want to have a little bit of that in my portfolio, securely stored, I might add. Why don't you call Desert Gold Exchange and ask for their free investors kit. Mention the Jeff Orvitz show. They will send you that free of charge. Plus, uh, they're going to treat you like gold when you mention the show. Here's the number. Desert Gold Exchange, 888-852-4343. Desert Gold Exchange, 888-852-4343. 888-852-4343. Back in a minute. listening to the podcast, please give us a great review and also give us a comment in there. If you're not listening to the podcast, subscribe, look up the Jeff Orbit show. Also on video, rumble, follow us there and on YouTube, subscribe. We appreciate everyone who's done that. This is the Jeff Orbit show. Speaking of cars, if you want to shop your insurance policy around a little bit like Angela and I did, and we've saved thousands of dollars when we switched to Eric Boatner Allstate Agency. 
Um, we've also switched our homeowners policy there. Uh, Eric Boatner, all state agency does home, auto, motorcycle, RV, off-road vehicles, boat, business owners, life insurance. Call them up. Uh, Angela does all of this work really, quite frankly. Um, and she deals with Eric and Lisa Boatner and they have provided awesome, awesome customer service. Give them a call. Eric and Lisa Boatner, Allstate Agency, 928-774-8722, 928-774-8722. That's If I'm quick, I may actually make it through all of these items in one day. My whole list. This is a rare moment. I guess because it's mostly been me. I've just been cruising through these things. This is from The Hill. Uh, Congress is back at it. They started here this afternoon, this evening. One of the first items. Let me run through all these. They're they're looking at doing uh, the House in D.C. Expulsion of that Santos character from New York. They want to pass a resolution to kick this guy out of Congress. This is the guy that has all these charges against him. And it looks like he just acts like a real bonehead. Uh, But we shall see if it works. They need two-thirds supports, meaning Democrats and a bunch of Republicans. Uh, The new Speaker of the House met with senators to talk about the budget and funding for Israel, funding for... Ukraine, he says he's open to funding for Ukraine. He said he wanted Israel funding to be one of the first things. He also said he wants all of these to go through individually, though. Um, I think they were proposing $14.3 billion in Israeli aid, uh, but the, they would have to offset that by getting rid of some of Biden's Green New Deal, the Inflation Reduction Act, which is just a huge energy policy and this Green New Deal dream. Um, he also, and I'm a little, ugh, I don't like this, talking about with senators to get a continuing resolution until at least January. You know, the spending deadline is uh, right before Thanksgiving coming up really quick. He wants to extend it with another continuing resolution. Here we go again till January or March. Come on, get the budget done. What, what, why can't we do this? We have to do it in our houses. Give me a break already. Other big ticket items. Um, censure res. Okay. I did that. Oh no, here's more censure resolutions against representatives. Marjorie Taylor green is, is up for a vote this week and Rashid Tlaib of Michigan. Um, a resolution condemning support of Hamas and Hezbollah on college campuses is up for a vote. A bill to provide funding for Israel, uh, already mentioned that. And then a bill to impose sanctions on Iran is also up. So busy week in Congress. We'll see if, I'll probably wait till next week. Let's let them vote on it into the weekend and maybe we'll try to get Congressman Biggs on the program next week or so. Um, or Congressman Eli Crane will maybe reach out to Congressman Gosar too. Maybe get all those people in before we get too deep into into November. Um, the IRS chief is claiming that the $14.3 billion Israeli aid offset, this is where they're going to pull it from the um, $80 billion in funding to the IRS, you know, for new agents and all that. He's saying that's going to cost the IRS and I guess the taxpayers $90 billion. So there's some federal math for you there. Uh, they lose $14.3 billion and they say it's going to cost $90 billion. They're probably claiming that they're not going to be able to do audits and collect all this money or something like that. So, yep, that's um, Washington, D.C. math right there. All right, tomorrow on the program, I do have interview with John Thorpe from the Goldwater Institute and Rob Wilson. We're going to break down this 
legal problem in the city of Flagstaff and this First Amendment issue and the potential for a lawsuit if they keep going down the path and blocking Rob Wilson from advertising at the Flagstaff airports. Uh, plus, still to come this week, Kelly Broadus will give us a real estate market update. Uh, Mark Howitt's going to give us a bunch of information as well about his big trip back east recently. Take care. See you tomorrow.